Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Like we have said, we start our journey of Advent. Advent is this season of waiting, the season of resting. Um, and and I, I think it's helpful for us to just spend a, a little bit of time talking about kind of the Advent church relationship. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, for Christmas, we, we go all out, okay? We, we decorate the house. We've got stuff up. We're, we play Christmas music way too long, if you ask some of my kids. Um, <laughs> And uh, we, we love Christmas, and, and there's, no, there's no pulling any punches on those, because, on those traditions, uh, because Christmas is fantastic. Um, but during Advent, while the world um, plays the Hallmark movies and decks the halls and, and, and does all of the traditions of Christmas, and, and we have parties to go to and, and traditions to keep, um, at church, we enter this season called Advent, and it's a, it's, it's a more subdued season for us. It's a season of waiting, a season of, of expectation and, and anticipation. And the reason we do that is because we want and we need to put ourselves in that, in that place of aching, for the Messiah to come. Our lives are pretty well taken care of most of the time. Our lives are, are, are okay. God's presence is here. God has been with us and God's promises are true for us. And when we step into Advent, as the, as the world's ready for full-on Christmas and encourages the shopping and encourages the consumerism and the you got to buy presents for everybody on your list, the church takes time to say, we want to enter into this season of waiting. We want to realize and recognize that for generations and for centuries, the nation of Israel longed for a Messiah. A Messiah that was delayed, a Messiah that took time to come. And so we enter into that wanting and that aching and that, that sense of, of desperation, that sense of need with the Israelite people. It's not meant as <laughs> a downer. It's not meant as anti-Christmas. We're not trying to be, you know, the church of the Grinch. Um, but as a way of entering into this season of longing and expectation. Um, that Israel endured, and that we are enduring at the same time, for Christ has told us that Christ is coming again. 
And even we enter into this season of expectation for Christ is coming again. What does that mean? What that means is that that songs like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, are sung in the season of Advent. This this sense of of longing and expectation of, of knowing that Christ is coming and yet wanting to enter into that season of expectation. Uh, we want to take we, we take a break next week with the kids. The kids are going to be full on Christmas. I'll, I'll just warn you of that. But but we'll have this sense in, in our messages that that something beautiful and something worth waiting for is coming during the season of Christmas, and we want to invite you into that journey. So this Christmas, I, I we want you to be full of joy. We want you to to um, pick ornaments off that, that giving tree that we have in the foyer um, and, and share love and joy and, and buy presents for those loved ones that you have. Bake cookies and string the garland. Does anybody do the popcorn garland anymore? We did that a couple years. It's messy. Um, <laughs> but also remember that this season, the season of Advent, is about the arrival of a baby. The arrival of a baby is one that takes a little while to get there. (laughs) There's a season of waiting that happens that's built in. And Advent is the season of holy and reverent waiting, yearning, and longing for the people of God. And so that's that's why we do Advent in this way. Um, today we're going to open up to the word to the Psalms today. Psalm number 25 for the first 10 verses of that Psalm. Um, so if you have your Bibles, I, I invite you to, to open that, uh, Bible up to Psalm 25. If you have it on your device, point it in that direction. Um, as we read Psalm 25 verses one through 10 reading today from the common English Bible for those who are willing and able out of reverence for the reading of God's word. I invite you to stand as we read together today, Psalm 25 verses one through 10. I offer my life to you, Lord. My God, I trust you. Please don't let me be put to shame. Don't let my enemies rejoice over me. For that matter, don't let anyone who hopes in you be put to shame. Instead, let those who are treacherous without excuse be put to shame. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach it to me, because you are the God who saves me. I put my hope in you all day long. Lord, remember your compassion and faithful love. They are forever, but don't remember the sins of my youth or my wrongdoing. Remember me only according to your faithful love for the sake of your goodness, Lord. The Lord is good and does the right thing. He teaches sinners which way they should go. God guides the weak to justice, teaching them his way. All the Lord's paths are loving and faithful for those who keep his covenants covenant and laws. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please, please be seated. I was reading uh, this week in preparation for uh, this morning, um, and one author who talked about how in, in the northern hemisphere of, of the earth in which we live, uh, this season of Advent joins with the lull of winter approaching. 
right? Have you noticed the temperature is turning a little colder? Have you noticed that you have to scrape your windshield some of those mornings as you get up and, and get, get moving? The weather kind of turns and helps us to, to rest, helps us to pause a little bit, helps to create this sense of waiting and an expectation. For we know that on the flip side of, of winter, spring is going to come. Uh, spring is going to come and there will be new life. There will be blooms. There will be colors that reappear as fall has seen some of the color of this earth kind of fall to the ground and get collected up in leaf bags, uh, hopefully. Um, but we long for this new life and this restoration. It's in this dormant state that the, the bright red word in our devotional springs up, the word hope. Um, if if uh, We've noticed this week that we've run out of these devotionals. So we, we ordered them quite a long time ago, and we thought, oh, let's order a lot so that we have plenty. Well, <laughs> it didn't work. Um, our plenty wasn't plenty enough. Um, it is available on Kindle if you want to get the ebook. We looked into ordering more, and they're all backordered, and, and it's going to be two weeks before they have them available and another week to to ship. And so guess what? Advent's over by then. Um, but if you have a Kindle and want to order the Kindle version, it is on Amazon. But this bright red word of hope springs across the page. And the world doesn't feel that hopeful. It's kind of dark and, and dreary out there. But what is it that we hope for? In our lives, Advent points towards the hope of Christmas, the hope of, of a child that is coming. But what is it that you hope for? And maybe the flip side of that question is, what is it that brings you hope in this season? As we, as we look at this text, as we consider this text this morning, um, Two things strike me as odd about the selection of, of Psalm 25 and, and the words that we read there. The first thing that strikes me as odd is Psalm 25 is a lament. It's a lament. And second, the text starts out with just this surrender, this surrender of offering our lives. Um, I, as we look at this lament of Psalm 25, I think the church is getting better with laments. The, the church is recognizing the need and the importance of lamenting a little bit more. We, we know that the laments are there in the Psalms, that there are these texts that, that really the psalmist is crying out to God, why? Why did this have to happen? I don't understand. Um, and... I've, I've been trying to learn to pray more in that manner. That God can, God can handle my tough questions. When I'm frustrated, when I feel alone, when I feel down, God wants me to pour out my heart to God and to not hold back. The Psalms of Lament that we find throughout this book are, are, are honest prayers. Honest prayers from the psalmist to say, this is what I'm experiencing. And we're becoming more familiar with that, a little more comfortable with that in our lives. The common form of the lament starts with this expression of, of distress. My, my world is falling apart, God. 
Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like the world's falling apart? Like it doesn't make sense? Things aren't going your way. Things aren't as they should be. They, this, this certainly couldn't be what God had intended. But the important part of lament is that they happen in the presence of God. And the psalmist constantly goes back to invoking God in on this situation in the midst of our distress. God, I know you're there. I know that you see. After invoking God, uh, the lament usually states a complaint or two, (laughs) gets real specific about what's going on, presents this petition, and usually, most of the time, ends by proclaiming praise thanksgiving and the faithfulness of God. We're, still more, we're, we're more comfortable with laments than we have been probably in the past. At least talking about them in Scripture. And yet I've tried in my life to become more comfortable praying laments. To speaking to God with that kind of honesty, to crying out to God with that kind of pain and struggle. Because I've kind of been conditioned to hold it all together. Come on, Freebird. You're a pastor. You're a preacher. Maybe you, too, and your prayers sometimes feel like you got to hold it together. Struggle. Our struggle to pour out to God in an honest way. And yet the psalmist did it. Consistently, we see psalms of lament. This lament starts out with these odd words, I offer my life to you, I, I trust you, kind of this sense of, of surrender to God. In the NIV it says, in you, Lord my God, I put my trust. That's a unique way to live. That's not how the world would tell you to live. That's not... It's not common. It's unusual to just surrender. Lord, I, I surrender my life. You know, to the world, surrender is defeat. To the world, surrender is loss of control. Surrender is, is giving up. Not so with us. Not so with us, the people of God. We surrender in hope. We surrender our lives in hope. A hope that isn't like blind optimism. Oh, I'll give it up. We'll see what God does with the mess of my life. No, we surrender with hope. A hope founded in the enduring presence of of God. We believe that with God, light pierces the darkness and will not be overcome by it. We believe with God that the good overcomes evil. We believe with God that that hate and discord and animosity doesn't win out, but love does. We believe with God that life wins out over death. It's in this confidence that surrender has this new meaning. If that's true, if that's what happens when God shows up, why wouldn't I offer my life to God? With confidence with new meaning, with new energy, saying, yes, 
This is how I want to live. For our surrender is to a trustworthy God, not an overwhelming enemy. This posture of confident hope starts to emerge. A confident hope that for Israel had to last generation upon generation upon generation. For centuries and centuries, they have been told the Messiah will come. And it's in this posture of confident hope that we say, this is how our journey of Advent begins. This is how we start this journey. It's in the waiting, in the pause, as we embrace again this journey toward the manger. We place our surrendering hope in a trustworthy God once again. And what seems like a, re a reversal, what seems counterintuitive, what seems like it doesn't really make sense, the surrender is our source of hope. We offer our lives to you, God, why? Just like the psalmist, we petition God in that place. As we offer our lives to God, we can offer the same petitions. And what did the psalmist ask for in this chapter? Verse 4, teach me your paths. Te verse 5, lead me in your truth. Verse 8, he teaches sinner. Verse 9, he guides and teaches the weak. Our surrender to God is, is not to a vanquishing enemy, but to a benevolent, caring, instructing God. And we pour out these requests during Advent. God, our hope is in you. Teach us. God, our hope is in you. Guide us. Lead us. As we pour out these requests, the requests of this chapter, it makes me think of the journey we've been on this year. One of transformation. One of becoming new. Not necessarily in, in big ways. We're not transformers who take new shapes. We ask God to teach us and to guide us and to bring us into new truth, to new understanding in our walk with God. Shape us, form us, mold us into your likeness, into the people that you have created us to be. Our request this year has been, don't leave us as we are, but make us new. Um, one of the things that I absolutely love is the chance to hold babies. It's kind of become not as kosher as it used to be in the world of COVID. You know, you got to be more careful, I think, and that's probably warranted. But I love holding babies. They're just so precious and so innocent and so tiny, these tiny little lives that you get to care for. And we've had several in our home along the way, but they're no longer there. They all grew up. None of them, none of them fit in my hands as, as small as they used to. Because we're meant to grow, right? 
We're meant to transform. We're meant for new growth. We're meant for God to shape us and to form us. And that's been the journey of this year. That's why we focused on becoming new, that we're not meant to stay as we are, but we're meant to grow in faith. When we combine this sense of growth, this sense of transformation to this idea of waiting that comes with Advent, it becomes all the more powerful. Right? For hundreds of years, the Messiah was supposed to come. I mean, we get four weeks. <laughs> we get four weeks. We got to pack it in. We got to pack all the expectation we can, all the anticipation, all the longing that we can for these four weeks of Advent. And kids will tell you four weeks is long enough waiting for Christmas, right? But centuries had passed. Kingdoms had risen and fallen, rules and would-be messiahs, false prophets had come in and out of Jerusalem, risen their hopes and dashed them when they had fallen apart. And I don't know your typical reaction. I don't, I don't know what your reaction is to this. But I know that in that ups and downs, in that roller coaster ride of expectation, I can lose hope sometimes. We can lose hope. We can give up. We can surrender our hopefulness. And as we look at the history of Israel and the journey that they were on, no one would blame Israel. No one would blame us. Look at our world. Look at the chaos and the division, the strife and the discord that we encounter today. What's the solution? Comes back to the first words of those song, that song. Today, we offer our lives to you. We surrender our lives. We don't surrender our hopefulness. We're going to cling to that hopefulness. Like, like if all the lights in this place were turned off and we covered the windows, the flame of this candle would be that spark of hope that we're going to cling to in this time. We cling to that hopefulness. The change and the transformation begins with God to shape our very lives. I'm going to challenge you to do something this Advent, something that, that maybe you haven't done before. I want you to find an Advent calendar that stretches you this year. Now, we have one of those chocolate Advent calendars at home. It says there's two days to Christmas. I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. I'm going to blame the kids. Um, it's not the kind of stretching that I'm talking about today. Uh, I want you to find an Advent rhythm that will, will challenge you to step out in action. Actions that are good and healthy and hopeful and expectant this year. I have an example. I don't know where I got this. I think my wife found it for me and I saved it on my computer. But it's, it's just an Advent calendar um, of different things to do. On the third, send a Christmas card, but take time to write more than you would usually write inside. On the 15th, go for a walk with a friend or a family member. On the 16th, look at the night sky this evening. Enjoy it. Wonder 
at it. Eighteenth, when you are next spoken to, take a breath before you reply and choose words that give life and encouragement. An interesting Advent calendar, something that, that moves it from this reflection or eating chocolates. I like those. But to something that encourages us to live into this Advent season and to take action. The author of this devotional is someone that many of you are familiar with. Uh, Pastor Olivia Metcalf, who pastored here for, for several years, um, wrote this week, uh, wrote, wrote this about the week of hope. Hope is active, not passive. Hope is meant to be active and not passive, not like, well, I hope this happens. We'll wait and see. No, but the truest sense of hope is this expectant sense of hope, a hope that moves us out into our world, into our neighborhoods, into our community to share that hope and to share the reason for Christmas and to share that expectation that we have of Advent. Hope moves us towards action, toward doing and serving and loving and bringing the kingdom of God to this place with which we have been entrusted earth. It's uh, a good sentence. I'm going to read that one again. Hope moves us toward action, toward doing and serving and loving and bringing the kingdom of God to this place with which we have been entrusted earth. I want to be a part of a church that's doing that in their community. Amen? I want to be a person who's, who lives into that, not just on Sundays when we gather and talk about it, not just throughout the week, not just in Advent, but all year long. Bringing about the kingdom of God to this place that we have been entrusted. Our redemptive, expectant, anticipatory action is the best form of evidence we can have of true and alive hope, that the candle of hope is burning. Does your hope lead you to action? Does your hope work as an expectant, redemptive force in the world today? Things for you to ponder, questions for you to ponder. Um, in this devotional that we're working through together, um, I, I noticed something this week, um, and I probably wouldn't have noticed it, but I was watching a podcast with Olivia, and, and she pointed it out. The, the title says, Come peasant king. And when I read that, I thought peasant king. So, so Jesus arrives in very humble circumstances, and yet we call Jesus our king. But there's a comma between peasant and king in the title. It's really small, and my eyes don't work as well as they used to, but it's right there. The invitation is for all, for the peasant and for the king. And for everyone in between, the invitation is there, come. This Advent season, come. Come for this journey. Come and see the manger in Bethlehem this year. Even the preacher, come. Come and experience 
what Christ has for us this season. We have a rhythm here at this church of, of serving communion, the Eucharistic meal. Um, and usually we serve on the last Sunday of each month. Um, and we're going to serve communion today. Um, and I'm going to invite those who are prepared to help uh, serve to go ahead and come on forward along with the praise team. But it seems, it, as I prepared for this week, it, it, it just seemed a bit out of place for the first Sunday of Advent. I've just talked about how we're going to enter into this expectant time, this time where we're waiting for Christ to come. And then here on the first Sunday of Advent, we're going to, to share communion together. <laughs> Aren't we waiting for Jesus to come? Isn't this the season about the expectation of the baby's arrival? And yet, as I prepared for this service, focused resolutely on hope, I was reminded there's no more hopeful thing that we do than respond to the invitation to come to the table, to sit with Christ, and for Him to say, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. And in solid, resolute hope, we receive those elements and remember Christ. In the book of 1 Corinthians, there's this explanation of the, of the Eucharist meal, of, of communion. And we get, we get this sense of hopefulness so plainly in this text. Paul says that every time we do this ritual, every time we share this meal, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And that's what we do. That's the hopeful statement that we make. We are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. We are drawn in to this sense of waiting as we wait for Christ to come again. Here at this church, as we serve communion, we'll have three communion stations, one at the front of each of these aisles and one in the back of the room. You have two options as we uh, take communion today. Um, There'll be a person that's holding a plate of, of bread, and as you come forward, you can come to them, and they'll take um, tongs and place a piece of bread in your hands. And if you do that, you can dip it into the cup of juice and partake of the elements right there. Um, in these days, we also have um, a prepackaged option where we have a little bread wafer and a cup of juice. And if you go to the person holding the bowl and the cup, you can take one of those, return to your seats, and partake of communion that way. Does that make sense? So we invite you to, to do whichever way is more comfortable. For those of you with gluten sensitivities, our bread is gluten-free. In the Church of the Nazarene, we, we practice what's called open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of our church to participate in communion. You don't have to be a regular attender. What you need to do, though, is say, I want to follow Christ. If that's your choice, if that's your decision today, then we invite you to participate with us in this ritual of communion. Today, as we uh, um, participate in communion, I want to read the, the Eucharist lit liturgy from 1 Corinthians. It says this, On the night on which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same thing with the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, do this to remember me. 
And here it is, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you broadcast the death of the Lord until he comes. Church, this is our hope. This is our hope. The table is set. The invitation is given. Come and dine. When we first sang that song, I commented the same thing. Those are dangerous words. Pour me out. I sing them full-voiced and trembling. For God might answer that prayer. Pour me out for your purposes, dear God. Would you pray with me? Lord, today we are reminded that your presence gives us hope, that your presence changes us, that your presence invites us into this new place. Today, as we begin this this journey of Advent, which seems (laughs) long in some ways and so desperately too short in other ways, God, would you remind us again of the hope that you bring, of the difference that you make the ways in which you wish to shape us during this season of Advent, this season of hopefulness. Help us to burn the candle of hope brightly in our lives. May it lead us to action this week. Hopeful, expectant, anticipatory action, God. Set us free to bring about your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, we pray. In Christ's name. Amen. Today, as I offer a prayer of benediction, I invite you to stand, to hold out your hands as this physical reminder that this is a prayer to be received today. Lord, may we not leave the light of hope here. Instead, may we take it with us to our homes, to our workplaces and schools, and into our neighborhood and our community. They might also see in us and know the hope of the world. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.